Hello and welcome back to another episode of Goalie Field. Today's date in Central Standard Time is September 17th, 2019. And for you, my second host, Connor Hardy, what day is today? Today is September 18th, 2019. We are a cross-time zone podcast now. Um, so We are, transatlantic almost. <laughs> right, two states away, one whole time zone away. So um, Exactly, but connected by our love. Of, uh, of soccer <laughs> or something or something exactly <laughs> um anyway it's been a minute since we were able to kind of connect and talk about soccer i will blame the international break for part of that but we are back premier league is back and when premier league is back we are back to talk about it speaking of things that are back serge aurier back in appearance for tottenham hotspur yeah, we had, a, we had a sighting of, of uh, everyone's favorite yeah. Ivorian. Um, now, it wasn't as if Pochettino really had any other choice. Right. Um, and it, it was basically playing Aurier or playing Poch himself at right back. Exactly, but yeah. He was regardless. Forced his hand there. there. And um, for, I, I really don't understand. I haven't understood Poch's lack of trust or lack of willingness to play Aurier before this just because um Foyth is out injured Walker Peters is out injured we sold Trippier of course and so we've experimented with Davinson Sanchez at right back Musa Sissoko even at right back um Mm. just a lot of things that clearly they're out of their element and they can't play the up and down style that you know that we want to and so seeing Serge Aurier a natural right back in there um, it really made all the difference. He scored the first goal, or scored the second goal, I should say. Technically, it's going to go down as an own goal against Van Anholt, but um, it was off his Spurs foot last before it hit Van Anholt, and then um, had played the third goal in beautifully. Great ball to the back post for Son. Um, it really just, again, it made all the difference, and so it was so good to see him back in the team and back providing again, and uh, he did not make the trip to Athens to play Olympiacos tomorrow, uh, so I'm not sure what the hell that's all about. But um, hopefully, all of that is is just resting him up for Leicester uh, this weekend, just mm-hmm. because again, it's it's a huge difference playing a, a natural right back as opposed to having someone that just is kind of out of their bearings. And again, four nil, uh, two goals from Sun. Uh, one from Lamella and one, again, own goal. Uh, but they did all the work in the first half, and it was – this is kind of back to the team that I know that they can be, and um, right. I'm excited for them to be, as well as the fact that Ndombele made an appearance in the second half as a substitute. So looks like he's back fit again, which is big now that Champions League is coming up, and um, 
mm-hmm. kind of have to weigh those two. But all around great performance, very happy with the three points, and somehow we are in third place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unbelievable, really, with the struggles that have popped up so far. But the biggest thing for me, I guess, looking at the way Aurier played after to put it nicely an extended stint on the sidelines right why was trippier ever getting minutes over him right yeah that's that's the good question and it's it's kind of a a, Aurier is known for his lack of discipline he's given away a number of penalties just in a spurs shirt um in general um and trippier after the world cup last year he came back and everyone kind of thought he was going to keep playing at that high level he obviously did not and it was quite a far drop off um but but yeah so it was definitely one where i didn't really prefer one or the other but as trippier kind of decreased and declined in quality last year i was begging for aurier and then certainly with our other right backs i have absolutely no idea why aurier was not getting any minutes at the beginning of this year i know they thought he was going to get sold um, but still, it was great seeing him in the team because, again, like I said, you saw all the difference um, during, right. that, yeah. during that first little half there. Yeah, I guess I just mean, like, I think in the past I had rationalized it as, oh, you know, Trippier is the right back if you want your right back to go forward, and Ori is the right back if you want your right back to track back. Right. And that either way, you were losing something having one of them on. Um, and so after watching, I don't know how many instances of Trippier just losing his man along the sideline, um, I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's time to make the switch, maybe sell a little bit more on defense. Um, but now after watching him play, I mean, that's a lot of contribution to the attack. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Obviously, that's one game. Super small sample size. It's hard to take anything definitive away from a situation like that. But we are known overreactors. I, myself, am particularly guilty of that. Right, and... but but like you said, it's only one game. But it's one game that absolutely makes him deserve a second game and a third game. And exactly. if things don't go yeah. well there, then you can be like, okay, well, yeah, that was, a, that was a thing. But things have clearly worked out, at least for this first game. Again, very small sample size, but... Um, I can't see any reasoning behind Poch being like, okay, well, we're not going to select him again for the team. It's like, well, right. you saw the benefits of it, and the worst thing that could happen is he plays as poorly as one of these other people that are not natural right-backs. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens going from here. Yeah. Other teams have not been so fortunate in pulling defenders out of nowhere, though, particularly... <laughs> One we assumed would be a title contender, maybe a title favorite, depending on who you talk to. Manchester City, suddenly really desperate for any quality center back. Um, Laporte goes down with an injury. Man, that that was how many weeks ago now? Um, yeah, since three, two or three <laughs> weeks ago, we yeah. Just, yeah, since we just haven't recorded since then. Um, and then it's just announced earlier this week that John Stones will miss five weeks with an injury. Yikes. I mean, we saw them struggle against Norwich with John Stones in the lineup. Otamendi with some particularly boneheaded moments. Absolutely. Um, we'll get to which, that in a second. But yeah. yeah, we will get to that in a sec. Um, 
but where do they go from here? I, I don't know what the solution is for the next five. I mean, you can't afford to be just steadily dropping points no, for absolutely. the next five weeks. Right, absolutely. And um, as you mentioned, like John Stones, it's not like he came in and was like, oh, immediate fix. So it's kind of, right. you, you got to find yeah. a fix for the fix. And so having Otamendi be the glue of the center back is not at all what any any no, city fan so. I think would want. Um and so it's going to come down to the fact that Fernandinho is going to have to play center back for the next couple weeks. But like you said, that those next couple weeks involve Champions League tomorrow and quite a few, what, four or five weeks of Premier League games with another Champions League game in there as well. And so, um, and again, to your point, Liverpool lost one game last year and lost the league. And so they cannot afford to drop any more points here at Man City. Um, and yeah, they're, they're really looking dumb for not bringing in a replacement for company and kind of mm-hmm. putting all their eggs in the Stones, Otamendi, um, and Laporte basket. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that's the funny thing to me too, is that neither Stones or Laporte really have a sterling reputation when it comes to injuries. You know, they right. both picked up pretty significant knocks in the past so to not have an insurance plan to me seems particularly dumb given that context exactly exactly and they they got they went out they got joe Cancelo to play back up to kyle walker which like you think at this point like any defenders will be good but if you're looking at two center backs like we're talking about spurs kind of finding a right back it's it's not as important the qualities mm-hmm. of a center back going to a right back like a right back you kind of just need to be defending the right side like you lose a little bit in attack but you have a defender there but like having a right, right. back which it's so much different than having a right back come in to play center back which is why Fernandinho is going to come back and they're not going to move to like Kyle Walker playing center back uh just because center back is the true leader it's the true you kind of have to see everything on the field and so um yeah, I mean, Man City are, are really going to be going through it here because especially Benjamin Mendy is still out for God knows how long because he is also made yeah. of glass. And so um, exactly. And they sold Fabian Delph. I mean, it's just going to it's going to be a really, really testing time here for for Manchester City. Um, and yeah. we'll see I mean, how they can maneuver that around that. You look at that back line and to say that Alexander Zinchenko, Nicholas Otamendi, Fernandinho, and Kyle Walker is not nearly as inspiring as a healthy lineup is feels like an understatement. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like people don't realize Otamendi's only six foot two. Or six foot as well, I should say. Yeah. Um he's not a big guy. Fernandinho's like five nine. Yeah. Like yeah, I mean you're losing you're City, losing a lot. Yeah. City looked weak. We can actually probably transition into this point now. City looked weak against Norwich's set pieces with a healthy John Stones. When you subtract six two John Stones, you take you know, five inches off of that and you're left with five nine Fernandinho, who has his own qualities, sure. I don't know. That's one thing I worry about is what do they do now? I mean, you just don't have the height to really play up 
in the box in in set piece situations so exactly i wonder if teams will try to attack them in that in that fashion exactly you kind of have to think that they that they do have to and and um like you said this would be a good transition into the game because um again even with john stones playing they just didn't look like you'd expect the back-to-back champions to look um right and you can you can kind of point something out in all three goals that you can you can end up pinpointing back to just lack of defensive mindfulness and lack of defensive quality i mean the first goal off the corner norwich take the shock lead uh mclean the midfielder comes off i mean there's just there's just no one at the front post guarding him it's it's yeah. an easy he just slides in there yeah that's I mean, that's 101. All you have to do is put it on target. Ederson, you can probably blame him. He was still center of his goal, probably should have been closer to near post. Um, it's still so weird to me to see um, teams nowadays not putting anyone on the post. That was always something growing up. You always had someone on the front mm-hmm. back post, but goalies right. goalies don't like that as much now. They like to be able to have their free range. Um, quick gets beaten there, and then yeah. certainly the second goal. I mean, that one's on Kyle Walker, but I mean, look at how easy their defense got got beat. Like, it's a it's an easy ball through to Puki, and suddenly it's two on one. He makes the great decision, pulls Kyle Walker over, slides it open, and Todd Cantwell mm-hmm. has a tap in. I mean, those are just that's kind of not schoolboy defending day goals. But but yeah, They're, exactly. I mean, it's, it's it's so simple. That would be scored against the city from like three years ago. This is not something you expect from the titanium machine that that Pep has built. <laughs> and so right. certainly those two goals, I mean, of course, then Aguero, um, I mean, you want to talk about being open, Aguero, you cannot leave him open at the box for a free header there, gets a goal yeah, back. Right. But then that third goal, I mean, if we're going to talk about defensive frailties, what is going on there? Gosh, dude. I there mean, was a real problem among the among a few of the top six teams, which again I hate to keep like pushing things. We'll get to something later. We'll get to something later. But top six teams, not a great week for playing it out of the back. No, absolutely. I'll, just, I'll leave it at that, and we'll get to we'll get right. to uh, Arsenal later. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, just absolute boneheaded ignorance from Otamendi. Not sure if he thought he could if he was just getting cocky and thought he could make the play, but it, it seems a lot more likely he just had no idea. But that's the that thing. There, there was, there was, there was also, yeah, there was no play to be made there though. Like that's, yeah, that's uh, like You're Stones gives the ball to, to him. To <laughs> and right. Yeah. And you can't, you obviously, there's no way of knowing whether or not anyone's saying, Hey, man on, man on, man on increasing urgency. But like you also, you're a center back in the Premier League. You have been for quite some time. You you kind of have to have an internal clock there that's going, I'm facing my own goal, and we're playing it out the back, and I've had it now at my feet for about five seconds. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to have an alarm going off. There is absolutely no scenario, especially against a team like Norwich, that push you up and they, they pressure, mm-hmm. that there is absolutely no scenario in which you will have that amount of time. And so, yeah, he just gets it taken right off of him, and he plays it over Buendia, plays it over to Puki, who scores. But it's just a, like you said, boneheaded play. Like there's, it's inexcusable, especially for someone yeah. of his veteran's like age and experience. Yeah, right. He's old. I mean, like 
you can forgive some of the mistakes that happened with Arsenal because they are a younger side and a few of the mistakes were committed by younger players. But, I mean, gosh, dude. you're Like you said, he's supposed to be a veteran leader. Veteran leaders don't make those plays. Right. Yeah, and it's just, again, it, it's kind of indicative of a bigger problem. Um, there's a lot of lack of leadership now and company was Mm -hmm. the leader and it was kind of talked about at the end of last season all right well he's leading he's leaving um and i personally didn't think it was gonna be that much a problem i mean for someone who's been hurt all the time the team is filled with people that have kind of had to step up but um that offense will score goals for days it's just will the defense be able to sustain um that top level championship winning caliber until they get their big pieces back Right. Yeah, I I joked a little bit, and I was really only half-joking when I said this, but that I'm terrified City will just find an academy product that can just play the heck out of center back, and all of a sudden they'll just be set for the rest of time. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, I mean, the the pettiness in me hopes that doesn't happen. Obviously, the league would be better off, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Um, But... I would love for them to just kind of to have that noticeable chink in their armor. Um, right. it, it makes things interesting. Right. You know, I think having them as this juggernaut um, is, you know, it was kind of a fresh idea. The first season it happened, it was interesting to see, okay, can they repeat in their second season in their third season? I think everybody or, that's not a city fan, of course, has kind of a little bit of fatigue with it. And it would be fun to be like, okay, finally, they look beatable. They look vulnerable. Yeah. That's something that's really enjoyable. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's um, it's a lot of bouncing back now because they, they had a stretch of games like this last year where they lost to Leicester and they lost to Newcastle. And everyone was mm-hmm. kind of like, whoa. And that's when Liverpool went nine points ahead and then they didn't lose again. And they just... And Man City powered through and, and came back of right. course, and, and ended up winning the league. And so it's, can they do that again? And yeah, long term... It does feel a little different because, right. if I recall, their, their issues that year were more just with form, not with health. Right. That's that's very true, yeah. And yeah. like you said, they're going to be doing this a lot of, uh, or a lot with um, kind of a makeshift... Uh, formation at the back and things like that so it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see if they can keep that up but um it will be interesting nonetheless but i think i mean we're touching on city of course but we have to talk about the same just the absolute impression that norwich are making on the league and Mm -hmm. i i have been thrilled to see them come back up because i mean yep it's one thing to talk about city's defensive frailties absolutely but norwich i mean you want to talk about injuries Oh my goodness, they had a laundry yeah, list no of kidding. people that were out for this game. They are newly promoted, and just the absolute gall that they have to to treat this as if they're playing full and just play their style. They're going to go, they're going to go, they're going to press you, and they're going to score goals. They know that they're going to concede some, certainly against City, but I was so impressed. That's one of those games that you can kind of feel like, this, this feels a little bit different. Like, this doesn't feel like it's going to be a City... 6-0 thrashing like something something feels a bit different here and i i give yeah. all credit to daniel farka and norwich for 
for coming up and I, I'm all for I'm all for teams playing in a style that fits them and doing what they can to get points and that certainly includes teams that are defensively sound and they're going to win 1-0 or they're going to draw 0-0 like they're not going to go forward but I think it's been such so refreshing to see Norwich come up and just absolutely give it a go I mean they lost 4-1 to Liverpool opening day but they went and they looked like they could score goals on every counterattack and they did today or on Saturday um, right but it's so refreshing after seeing Fulham and Cardiff City come up and then go straight back down by just not playing inspiring brand of football um, and ending up that ended up really hurting them and so yeah it's it's, it's gonna be and Huddersfield too yeah exactly um, but it's just it's gonna be an exciting year because it looks like everyone is really gunning for it there's not gonna be there's not a lot of teams this year that are gonna sit back and try and weather a storm they're gonna go for you yeah yeah it's I mean and it feels safe to say at this point Timu Puki is the real deal absolutely um, I think there was and for good reason, a fair bit of, uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to stick. But he was there to pounce on the mistakes City made. He was there to make the right plays. He was in the right places at the right times. And that's the best thing you could ask for in a striker. Right. And golly, it's just, how can you not be rooting for the guy? Honestly, he's such a, he's such a lovable dude. He, he really looks is. Like, he looks like a total, just like, homeless beach bum <laughs> but like finish you know um i don't know he's just he's just a super likable guy there's nothing exceptional about his athletic profile about necessarily even the way that he plays but he's just there you know um almost kind of like thomas Mueller in a sense where yeah. you don't really like you don't always notice what he's doing until suddenly an event happens and he was the one involved in it you know exactly yeah and you take a step back and think wow that was that was impressive um yeah and yeah it's amazing that norwich brought him in on a free transfer he had been at some places he was at celtic didn't really work out hadn't been scoring a lot of goals and so um yeah it's just it feels so good to see him flourish and um yeah like you said he's, he's just clinical like um he doesn't need a lot of chances to make his impact and that's exactly what someone like Norwich needs because I mean going against City you're not going to get a lot of chances and you need someone that's exactly it's going to know the play and it's going to put it away and so yeah it's right. just been, Spurs, been so I mean impressed. Spurs know the value in that playing against City it's all about just <laughs> taking your chances when you get them exactly it doesn't matter how many shots they have yeah it's all about that yeah. um but you want to transition um, to who do you want to go yes. to next uh, well, we can talk about another bottom-of-the-barrel team taking the fight to a bigger club with Watford finally, finally, mercifully not losing bully for them. Uh, a miraculous 2-2 draw against Arsenal. Arsenal will feel fortunate, honestly, to walk out with one point after uh, Decore had a chance to make it 3-2 very yeah. late in... Uh, very late in the game, but I think two minutes into stoppage. Um, but again, this is what we were talking about. Arsenal, just like City, had some real, I don't know if it was communication issues, awareness issues, playing it out of the back. And that led to the, that was the first goal, right? Um, yeah. For Watford. Yeah. And yeah, and then... <laughs> 
and then podcast favorite david Lu- david right. louise <laughs> commits just oh just yeah. a it, it bonehead all, foul in the box <laughs> it all boils down to the defense for for arsenal which is well right. yeah that's where the problems lie i mean and we knew that exactly yeah that's that's not a new narrative by any stretch of the imagination their offense looked incredible Aubameyang two goals in the first half um looked like it was going to be an easy game to be honest and it looked like mm-hmm. um uh what's his name Watford's new manager Kike Sanchez Flores yeah um looked yeah. like he was going to have a kind of brutal homecoming um but yeah it's just this this I want to I want to get your take on this as well but a lot of people are saying it, and I do agree with it. This boils down to the coach. It boils down to Emery. Um, just with regards to the fact that, like you said, first first goal, just you can pinpoint players whose fault that is. Like um, Socrates, I mean, the pass that he gives is, is god-awful. And De La Feo it's woeful. Puts his, it is woeful. <laughs> he puts his foot in and cleverly buries it, gets the goal back, and... And again, like this, such a cliche, but I always say it: the two-goal lead, most dangerous league in in soccer, because mm-hmm. especially when you're playing at home, you get a goal back. It it changed. It changed from that exact moment. And Watford, palpable shift, yeah, Watford in momentum. All over them, and there were chance after chance after chance. De La Feu came in, um, and he is still very much the most talented player on that team. Um, but yeah, they finally got that resistance to break with ten minutes left. And again, like you said, David Luiz, boneheaded play. Um, waited for him to enter the box before putting in just a stupid challenge. Uh, Pereira mm-hmm. scores, and then, yeah, Decore could have, probably should have won the game for Watford at that Definitely end. Definitely should have, yeah. Just, but it just, it he's just, not, you know, he's not just, a clinical finisher. Right, he That's really isn't. New. He is brute force. <laughs> but it just, it comes down to the manager playing out of the back. That wasn't the first scare. It's not like Socrates was like, oh, that's that's my bad. That's We haven't had a problem like that. They, they nearly did that earlier, like, Playing out of the back, Watford had chance after chance because they mm-hmm. couldn't do it properly. And as a manager, it is beyond me that Unai Emery, the substitutions that he made, can't really understand them. Um, yeah, and taking just, Ceballos off was weird. Exactly. You you need to connect the midfield to the front three. There is absolutely no excuse because, I mean, when they're under pressure, the front three are not going to come back. You're not going to see Aubameyang, Pepe coming back, putting in challenges. They are very much an outlet for a counterattack. And so when you're under pressure, you don't need a front three. You have a lead. It was beyond me. But just the lack of adaptability um, Mm -hmm. is really starting to hurt Arsenal. And I think that a lot of the blame comes to Emery. And I think it's fair. I think it is very fair blame. And he needs to, whether that is adapt his style, but just... He needs to see when something is going wrong mid-game and be able to change it. I mean, it's kind of easy as that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a pretty frank assessment. I, I know some Arsenal fans are giving him a little longer leash by saying, you know, this isn't the defense he envisioned himself working with, and there is something to be said for trying to implement your system even before your squad is healthy. But when you're dropping points to a team like Watford, you have to ask yourself, maybe you're better off adapting your system to the players you have at your disposal rather than trying to force force your system onto players who aren't suited for it. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, definitely just a flat 
dismal showing from Arsenal in that second half. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the fix is here. Even if you get rid of Emery, this is still a bad defense. And I don't even really think that getting Bayerine back, getting, I don't even, who else do they Kieran have Kieran Tierney is coming back. Left yeah, oh, back. right, Tierney. I don't know if those guys are showing anything up, you know, because, sure, Kolasinac is horrible. <laughs> but you also have two not really great center backs, and I don't know, I just don't know. Maitland Niles has been very hit or miss. He was getting burned a lot in the Watford game. He really but was. He also yeah. provided so, an assist. So I think Bellerin coming know, back will help will. them in that. Um, Maitland Niles is just in the second half. De La Faye was toying with him. He was coming down the left and he was yeah. doing whatever he wanted, and he was getting a shot off when he wanted to. And so that's just youth there. That's Maitland Niles just kind of getting burned. And I think Bellerin, with his experience coming back, that will really help. But like you said. That's not the main issue. Like, it wasn't like Maitland-Niles mm-hmm. was kind of the reason that um, Watford were coming down the wing and only and having the chances. It was, like you said, the two center backs. And so that's not an issue that's going to change. And I, uh, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be beating a dead horse. But it is beyond me why, why Arsenal would bring in such a comically clowned defender like David Luiz to a defense mm-hmm. that needs no more like that's just bonehead like David Luiz they don't need link up center backs they need anchor center backs they need the center backs who can hold down the fort not center backs who can move the play forward that right. wasn't what they were missing <laughs> right David Luiz is an idiot he's an idiot he's a defensive <laughs> idiot and when you're a defender you being a defensive idiot now, yeah. is very bad it's it seems like it should be paramount and so it's just that i it baffles me why they brought him in um and they're going to keep having these issues and they are Mm -hmm. going to keep struggling if this continues to happen and it was kind of forgotten about but arsenal's away form last year was god awful it was horrible they were able to fix it a bit near the end they got some decent results in the last couple weeks of the season away from home, with decent being draws. They drew away at Wolves. They did things like that. But this this is kind of a subtle reminder that that's not going to go away, really. They won away at Newcastle mm-hmm. opening day, sure. Then next away game, Liverpool, get burned, 3-1. Here, away at Watford. I mean, 2-2 draw against last place. I don't think Watford is last place level talent. I think that that's just yeah, a bad start I to would the agree season. With that. But that's that's something. This is this has followed Emery everywhere at Valencia, at um, was he at Valencia or Sevilla? I think it was Sevilla actually. But Sevilla PSG, like he he had horrible away form everywhere, and that's kind of yeah. another thing that the manager is going to have to answer for is why why aren't we why isn't that working? And that kind of comes back to adaptability again, beating a dead horse, but playing away. You have to adapt to the changes in the game because the crowd feels so much of that. And so, um, yeah, nonetheless, long story short, Emery has his work cut out for him and Arsenal have their work cut out for them if they want to secure a top four finishes here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move on to a club that I very near and dear to my heart finally clawed its way out of kind of the danger zone briefly. (laughs) 
this weekend. I was sweating a little bit going into the matchup against Everton, but Bournemouth come out and compete against Everton. Come away with a very solid 3-1 win, um, which wasn't what I envisioned. And Eddie Howe tried something different. And those of you who remember two episodes ago may remember when I came out after the Sheffield United game and said, I have no idea what Eddie Howe is doing. Just stick with what works. That was after he threw out like some three, five, two, one <laughs> garbage against the blades. And we got smoked on an error in the back um, in the last minute of stoppage. Anyway, he tried something new. He still threw out the 4-4-1-1 that this team is so comfortable with, but with Solanke on the left wing, Fraser on the bench. Whoa, I know, right? <laughs> um, and Lewis Cook, who just returned from, I think it was an ACL and MCL tear that he suffered last season, uh, to my knowledge, did not play a game in 2019. This was his first game in 2019. Um, first, I should say, Premier League game, he played in a friendly against QPR about a week ago. The difference when Lewis Cook is on the pitch is so tangible to me. And there's a video Bournemouth posted on their YouTube channel. I would recommend people who are interested to go watch of just pretty much every touch Lewis Cook got during the game against Everton. And if you've watched a lot of Bournemouth, which I have, um, I feel like I can finally say that now, now that they've been up a lot and I've actually been following them uh, closely. The difference between having two holding midfielders in Lerma and Billing and having a holding midfielder in Billing and a creative midfielder in Cook is gargantuan because there are passes Cook made and completed that Lerma or Billing really would never attempt and certainly would never hope to complete. Um and I don't know, he was he put in some good shifts on defense, he had some great tackles, he was flying into stuff. I mean, you wouldn't have guessed the guy just came off a knee injury because he was playing almost, I would say, recklessly, but <laughs> in such a way that like he was inv- he was advancing what the team was doing. You know, he wasn't afraid to try things, he and oh, it was wonderful. Um I think you really hit on it though. It's you need a creative midfielder. And like you said, Lerma yeah. Lerma and Billing are muscle they're going to win you the ball back and they're going to start going forward but they're not going to be someone that you want to pick a cross field pass to to really kick the attack into gear and so i think that that um that that's something that yeah bournemouth really really missed with him was kind of the ability to string things together and also um Mm -hmm. create something yeah i mean and to put it in terms for like people who don't who aren't intimately familiar with the Bournemouth players, which totally fair. I mean, it would be like playing a midfield of Moses Sissoko and Eric Dyer. That's what the that's basically what the Lerma and Billing said. Exactly. Was. Yeah, I was actually just about like, to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two guys who throw their weight around. Billing is six six. You know, he's got, he's gigantic, and he played like a clumsy oaf against Aston Villa. <laughs> um, but neither of them really billing's gotten a little better going forward as the season has progressed and he's gotten more comfortable but still he's not naturally creative if he's going forward he's blasting some garbage shot from five feet outside of the box um where lewis cook has his head on a swivel he's looking for guys to make the play for 
And I don't know, that's just... I know some people are just like, oh, that's just what midfielders are supposed to do. Yeah, but I haven't gotten to see that for like eight <laughs> months. So like deal with it, you know, let me let me bask in it for a little bit. Um, anyway, 3-1 win. I can't say enough about the way that they played. It, it was flowy. Ryan Frazier gets, gets his first goal of the season off a great set piece. Um, Callum Wilson, two goals, one that was just sort of a poke in in – a chaotic box and the other which was oh, oh. go watch go Chef's watch the kiss, highlights man. because yeah. he just he dinks it over pickford he gets a beautiful ball from diego rico dinks it in the far corner of the net pickford really never had a chance gorgeous gorgeous work callum is in form baby and that's what i need um anyway Enough about my team. I, I realize that this is such a niche no, topic but I for think a lot that of people. It's, so. I think it's important to note that, just a quick second on Everton, they're just, I mean, I can't imagine being an Everton supporter because mm-hmm. I, I don't get this team. I don't. I mean, we've played five games. They've won two and lost, lost two and drew, drew one, yeah. So they drew with Crystal Palace. They beat Watford lost to Aston Villa, then came out, beat Wolves, and now lose to Bournemouth 3-1. And, with all due respect to the teams I just listed, none of those are top six clubs. These are all clubs Mm -hmm. that Everton, someone trying to get into the top six, need to be beating. And um, Mm -hmm. it's it's just kind of baffling to me how they haven't been able to get this right. I mean... You bring in Moise Keane, Alex Awobi. I mean, Alex Awobi, like, he's not exactly someone that you come in at the height of his prime. It's it's kind of bringing him in, and it's seeing if this will be a better fit for him than Arsenal. But, like, Moise Keane, like, I mean, so many Everton fans were so ecstatic about this. And the 3-2 win against Wolves was kind of everything that they could do. They did it right. And mm-hmm. um, kind of looked like they were on the up. But then... I mean, just to come out and have Bournemouth really boss them and, um, yeah, just really dominate the game. It's just, I'm not, I'm not sure what Everton is. And so, I mean, to be fair, their two wins are at home and their three not wins are all on the road. And so there could be that problem. But I think, I mean, Marco Silva has got to figure it out because there's a lot of talents on this team and they're dropping points that they probably shouldn't be. But um, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. I I was worried about what Everton would do to us going into this game, and I left the game wondering where Everton was during the game. Right. It was just it was it was weird. I mean, honestly, they they weren't cohesive. So you know, there was a lot of pieces moved around. I get it in the summer for them, and there's probably still some chemistry that they need to work out, but. You got to, I mean, the season's, season's going, the season's up and running. So you have to, you have to iron that stuff out like now, if if you want to really, I mean, they had a chance, what, they would have been top three with a win, you know? Right. So (laughs) yeah, some, that, that feels unbelievable to say that with a win, they would have (laughs) been level on points with city. Um, but they would have been, you know, and I don't think that they're a top three team, but I also think they're probably a little better than 11th which is where they are right now so 
They'll figure it out. I feel pretty confident about that. Yeah, that will be a very interesting team to watch as the season goes on, see if they can figure it out. Um, But another team that's been very interesting to watch and is kind of figuring it out is Chelsea, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I would agree with that, yeah. 5-2 win against Wolves. Quite a weekend for them. Um, Hat-trick for Tammy Abraham, uh, one goal from Mount and one goal from uh, Pakayo Tamori all academy products and they dominated wolves at molyneux which has been historically um tough place for a lot of the top six to to go to go Um, yeah right and so just a thoroughly impressive result from chelsea would you say i would wholeheartedly agree um i did think it was kind of funny when you were talking about ederson not having a guy at the near post Ariza Balaga may want to adopt that method after (laughs) Tammy kind of gets a got a nudge and spoiled his his hat trick with an extra goal scored on the wrong net right that's right Um, I forgot about that (laughs) which as someone who started him in fantasy I was a little bummed for like the three point drop off that I got for that own goal but (laughs) um I mean altogether like you said they legitimately dominated away from home in like you said a very tough stadium to win at if you're a top six club now i have to say i'm kind of wondering if teams just haven't figured out how to play this chelsea team yet because there's been a lot of overhaul as i mean as we've noted and a lot of players who don't have a ton of premier league film i guess i'll, I'll use that phrase um, and I, I wonder if we're due for some regression, maybe midway through the season, as teams are able to scout them a little better, are able to understand what they do well, what they do poorly. Um, because I think a lot of these guys are unknown quantities, and that's working to Lampard's favor. No one's more intimately acquainted with what they can do and what their strengths are than him. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. And um, I'd say that there, I, I think it's, I think we definitely will see at least some sort of midseason regression just um, with the fact that they are playing such a young lineup and the fact that this lineup has to compete in the Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, League Cup, all that is going to mm-hmm. be a lot. And it's going to be a lot on young legs and it's going to be a lot on um, the squad depth, which frankly, there isn't that much. Um, Right. Due to the fact Especially that, in defense. Exactly, yeah. And so um, an injury comes through, and we'll actually have to see. Mason Mount went off injured to get today against Valencia after 15 minutes. And so that's that's going to be a big one for Chelsea. And, I mean, fingers mm-hmm. crossed that he is not out for an extended period of time. But it was a really ugly challenge by Coughlin. But yeah, it's, his, it's, his it's, ankle bent yeah, like silly putty. <laughs> exactly. And so that's that could already put a put a big problem into um chelsea's depth issues and so like you said it's it's going to be interesting to see if um they'll be able to keep this up but i think that they do have the benefit of frank lampard has come in and he like you said he already has a basis with a lot of these players a lot of these players were at derby fiakafikayo tamori was mm-hmm. his defender at derby last season um, Mason Mount, of course, is at Derby as well. And so he comes in with this basis. Tammy Abraham was in the championship last year. Like, There's just a certain right. level of familiarity um, that Lampard has with these players. And again, I think I said this in a podcast prior. It was prior our last one that we recorded. But 
this is the way that Chelsea, like Lampard is playing the way that this Chelsea team needs to play. He, and it's, it's yet to be seen if this is just his style or if this is him being able to adapt to the pieces that he has. Because we've seen so many Chelsea managers come in, Maurizio Sarri, Antonio Conte, and it's been a while since Chelsea have had a pacey, uh, just a, a very athletic center forward. That's like they've had Gonzalo Higuain, and they've had Diego Costa, <laughs> and those those are people that can score. Alvaro Morata, but they're well. hold up guys. But yeah, they're not they gonna they're not gonna beat. And we saw Tammy Abraham's third goal today. That was glorious. He he is able mm. to hold the ball up, turn it, and just has the pace and skill to beat a man and finish. And that's just something that Chelsea have been lacking. And so that it'll be interesting to see over time if that's if that's just Lampard's style or if that's his ability as a coach to kind of adapt to what he's given. Um, with the fact that transfer ban is in place and that they're not able to bring everything in. And so I know a lot of people are saying it, but it seems like it already is a blessing in disguise because we are starting to see, I mean, can you imagine how talented Chelsea would be had they been, had these players been in the squad before? I mean, Chelsea are infamous for right. just loaning players out, loaning players out, and then kind of wasting away their youth career. But like now that they're getting a shot in the first team, it has been fantastic to see what they've been able to do. Um, and five goals today against Wolves, that was, or I keep saying today, five goals at the weekend against Wolves, that was extremely, extremely impressive. Against the Wolves side, granted, that has not been impressive this season. But Yeah, Wolves currently sitting 19th in the table with three points, all from draws. They have yet to win a game. Yeah, and that's... Not great. That's a surprise uh, to me. I don't know, I don't know if you I saw I think a lot of coming, people are surprised by that. But, yeah, like... Because this is this is kind of a not a tale as old as time, but along the same lines is that clubs with the Europa League are affected by that in a very negative way. And we saw this with Burnley. Right. Burnley didn't even Burnley, qualify right. for the actual Europa League. They got out in the qualifying, but but that hurt them, and they started the season horribly. And I I think the kind of the buzz was that Wolves it will be tough on them, but I don't think anyone saw this these string of poor performances coming i mean right. they just they they strengthened their depth they brought in a lot of new portuguese people in the summer and so i'm just i'm really really surprised to see them again they haven't won a game and just putting out very very poor league performances um they're gonna have to write that ship pretty quickly because this is this is yeah. a team too good to be relegated but um after last season's success bottom half finish will be very very disappointing for for wolves yeah a popular pick for top six this year it's funny it's kind of the reverse of burnley where people expected wolves to be very good last season they were and they came out flat this year and it was a surprise whereas i think not very many people expected burnley to qualify for europa league somehow they snuck in there and everyone was like oh they're going to disappoint and they did exactly um, that's true that's it's it's true. it's yeah it's interesting do you think Nuno Nuno's on the hot seat? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think that okay. it it certainly. <laughs> I don't either, but I just wanted to ask. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's certainly something that you got to monitor. But um, like they have played very very well in the Europa League. Like they've first of all Europa League qualifying. If I may tangent for five seconds, is bullshit. I mean, you got sure. fucking like five five <laughs> rounds of qualifying just to make it into the Europa League with like 48 teams in the Europa League as it is. And so 
that always I don't understand. That's like a whole other tournament there. But um, yeah, they made it through all Not the rounds. Great, Bob. They're they're into the Europa League, and so they played very very well there. Um, and so you know that the team has the talent. I think it's just I think again it's just a general fatigue, which won't be going away. It'll just be um, it'll be interesting to see if he can start trying to. Uh, to use the NBA term load management, but um, mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. properly distribute the team between the two competitions so that he knows that he can get the important three points kind of in both sides of it. But um, right. the Wolves definitely yeah. turn around. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Brief mention for the weird thing that happened in the Aston Villa game. Uh, El Ghazi and Ming's butted heads literally and figuratively on the pitch <laughs> some sort of disagreement about el ghazi maybe not tracking back mings as we know is now a very big time defender he's got his big boy britches on right. and felt that he could call out el ghazi um which the winger took exception to and just a weird situation normally when someone headbutts a, a, another player they are not on the same team um but it's no more than that. I mean, I think we both agreed kind of before the podcast, we don't know enough to really say anything definitively about it. Um, and mm-hmm. we'd be speculating wildly if we said who was at fault. So right. Yeah. Just something, I don't know. It's it, weird. It definitely weird. was. Yeah. You'd never like to see that. Um, I'm kind of surprised Algazi didn't get sent off cause he does, he does go in, like you said, levels his head in a little bit. Um, so very, very well could have been a red card, but, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, Jack Grealish, after the game, he was saying that it was just kind of a heat-of-the-moment thing, um, and both players got it sorted out in the dressing room at halftime and came out ready to fight again. Well, not fight each other, but fight for the team. Um, <laughs> and Phrasing. So, uh, right. Again, it's kind of how much stock do you put into that versus um, if there's something kind of lingering there. But, uh, yeah, very, very weird situation. Um, it was a very heated game uh, for a game that ended nil-nil, but... Um, yeah, definitely something I guess to keep an eye on. If there's a recurrence of that, then uh, could be trouble brewing in the second city. Yeah. Okay. One more thing before we uh, before we call it a night. I want you to pull up the table. I don't know if you have it on your phone in front of you already or not. I do. Okay. I want to ask you, I because I'm curious if we have the same answer. Looking at the table right now, what is the most surprising team position that you can see? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, we already touched on it. Besides the fact that Wolves are nineteenth, so that would, yeah, that jumps out to me. But since we've already touched on that, I'm gonna say the fact that Southampton are tenth. A good one. I was actually gonna say they're level on points, so I guess this is basically like we said the same thing. Crystal Palace in twelfth. Yeah, that's yeah, and even the fact that I th- before this weekend they were in fourth i think before spurs beat them good gravy (laughs) um yeah so i don't know what that's all about yeah like you Um, said it's 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 sample size um five games in of course but but it is (laughs) it is interesting and and the first couple games can really make or break you in this league just because it's more at the top of the table with with um dropping points but um yeah it, uh, the points all matter the same in May as well. So, for some of these right. teams that are I guess if, if you had told me, if you had told me that Crystal Palace and Bournemouth 
would have the same point total at five games in, I would have been despairing thinking that Bournemouth had zero points. (laughs) But instead, (laughs) Crystal Palace has seven points. So I don't know how to feel. Um, yeah, and that's attributed very yeah, well no, to I just, their big win against Manchester United. I would have to say Crystal Palace, uh, right? Been yeah, formidable. I just point. I wanted to bring that up briefly and and have that discussion because the table is all sorts of funky right now. Well, I was going to say just the, one more quick point. Um, I don't know about you, but this season there is not like this is kind of abnormal. But I I honestly couldn't pick three teams that I think are going to be relegated. Like. Like, mm-hmm. usually, especially last year, like, Huddersfield came out and just looked god-awful, and you could say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they laid one, right. dude. <laughs> Cardiff City, they were going to be like, well, yeah, they they don't really look like they have much promise. And then um, near the, or, like, quickly we saw Fulham were, were no better than that either. But, I mean, this right. year, if you look at, like, Newcastle, I mean, they beat Spurs. They have, they have the potential. Wolves and Watford, I think. They would still be my pick, I think, Newcastle would be. Yeah, they they haven't showed much going forward, which I would say is a worry for Newcastle because that's what they strengthened. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, that would still be one. But, I mean, Aston Villa have shown fight. Brighton, eh. Um, Sheffield United, though, going to Chelsea and getting a point. Um, Burnley, like all these teams. Norwich, of course, like they are performing – much better than I would have expected. And so, um, yep. I mean, obviously three teams have to get relegated. I just think, I think this year the bar might be set a little higher than previously. We'll see. We'll see if that's going to be yeah. a, a hot take by the end of the year. But um, No, I would agree with that. I think this is the first year in a while where it's felt like there's not like a, a bottom feeder team that every team can just kind of go out and, okay, you know. Right. Easy this three is points. A, yeah. Right. Circle your calendar. This is three points. I think every team here has the potential to, you know, scavenge some sort of point total from any given encounter, as we as we've talked about today, you know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It'll be something. I think we might have to start just updating our relegation picks week by week, as they just kind of like power rankings, but reverse, um, and just. You know, here's who based on what based on the one more week of data we have, here's who we think is getting relegated. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll try to implement that going yeah, forward. That's a good idea. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. This was a this was a long one. Um. So I will let you get to bed as it is now one o'clock Indiana time. Um. Yeah, I'm tired. Of shit. And you're a working man. All right. Well, always fun chatting primarily yes of course um, yeah we'll be back hopefully weekly we've got to make this a a weekly thing we should make this weekly because we've been trying to uh, we we were just kind of like oh you know it's a bi-weekly podcast but then bi-weekly turns into like every third week and it's exactly oh now we have too much to catch up on and all right but here we go we're committing to weekly we are signing it there we go all right we'll see you next week Next week it is.